what happened to me only happens in about one or two percent of cases. Okay. And out of those percent of cases, 80% don't survive. Insane. Which is, yeah, an absolute madness. Hello and welcome to How to Adult. So we're going straight into the deep end with probably one of the most mind-blowing chats that I've had. This episode I speak to Laith, who in October 2019 had suffered from a very rare brain hemorrhage at the age of 23. He had a ruptured aneurysm in his basal artery. But despite this, he has defied the odds with his recovery. The lead up to this pivotal point in Laith's journey is equally as compelling I was always in awe of Leif's ability to make a complete stranger feel at ease upon first meeting them. And his mindset after his injury is only more inspiring. From start to finish, Leif's journey so far left me with a lot to think about. But most of all, Leif taught me that life is precious. We're incredibly lucky just to be alive and breathing. So enjoy that time and try not to sweat the small stuff. This episode is called How to Adult After a Life-Changing Injury. Lace. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Here on How to Adult, we're talking a lot about kind of drowning in the quarter-life crisis, but at Mm. the same time, I'm trying to find hopefully people and stories where we can influence people to get up and do whatever they want to get up and do, I guess. Mm. And I honestly cannot think of a more inspirational person than (laughs) you. (laughs) Honestly, I have for a long time now been screenshotting things that you post. Interesting. On Instagram. I tried to find them earlier, but my phone has done that thing where it deletes the images. It's normally to do with education. Okay, cool. Because... Every time you post it, I'm like, yes, this is what I'm talking about with other people, like mm. exactly that. So yeah, there's there's a hundred and one things I want to talk to you sure. about. I know you through Zach, and you also went to uni. Yes, I did. How was your uni experience? Uni was wild, yeah, to say the least. I, I definitely had a transitional period at uni because I started with business management, and obviously I did that for a year. Okay. And... So firstly, I didn't want to go to uni. I was at college, like, fuck the system. I don't think that universities are right for people. And I don't think I want to go to university because I just feel like that educational system is an encasement of slavery. I had a very, quite irrational mindset when I was 18 that was like, I I think the system is completely broken. I don't think it serves people. I love that you thought about that so early on. (laughs) I've only, like, everything you just said have resonated with, but I'm not joking, probably in the last two years, and it was not until I actually came out of drama school, or was in drama school, actually. So I'd been through the education system, I'd fell into the university trap, and I still hadn't thought about it then. So for you to think about it before then is incredible. Yeah, thank you. There's there's definitely been areas of my life that influenced that thought process. You know, I've, you know, my childhood was super tough, I had a super tough household, and so I was in a place where at times I really had to look a lot inside because there wasn't much support around me. And I think when you're, when you can be in quite dark environments, you know, you can look inside for the light and actually being in that environment can help you consciously understand things a bit better. Um, 
and I have an LSD trip. Okay. Am I allowed to talk about that? Yeah, go, please. Yeah, go yeah. <laughs> so I've always been interested in psychedelics. It's kind of been a big part, actually a bit of part of my evolution when I was younger. And I had an LSD trip with my one of my best friends and we were just contemplating like, the absolutely fascinatingness of the universe yeah. and how interconnected we all are. Yeah. And that's when we were like, you know, uni's not the right answer because we just want to be free, we want to fly, we want to run. Um, and uni might not be the right choice. But okay. actually we went to Bristol for an open day um, and we arrived on the wrong day and actually we decided to go into the forest and take some mushrooms stop and it. i had the most incredible experience of mushrooms in lay woods do you know lay woods i don't know where that is it's, it's like you've like got bristol no you've got bristol and it's kind of just above it it's like okay. a bit north of it okay um and I was like, shit, this city's amazing. Stop it. But I was like on a trip. So I was like, this city's amazing. I've got to be here. So it was then I was like, I should go to uni. And it was such an interesting, because then I was with Cody, my friend. And we were like, the energy that we can feel in this environment, we need to be in the West Country. <laughs> that was the feeling. That was the only intention. Was, really? We need to be in the West Country. Well, what was it about the West Country that was like different to you were before? So I've grown up around here and in London. Yeah. And you know, you live in London now. Yeah. It's very different energy, very oh, different yeah, environment. Yeah. People are different. People think differently. And being out in Bristol, I was like, shit, this is beautiful. The energy is really good. Mm-hmm. And we went to an event. I don't know if you've heard of Mr. Traumatic. No. He's like a drummer, drummer bass MC. Yeah. And we went to go see him and I had the best night. And it was just like, wow, I, I experienced something so magical that I hadn't actually experienced before. And then I was like, I've got to be in the West Country. So Do you know what? Bristol is so specific. It's special. When you say the West Country, I feel like Bristol's its own like sure, sure. thing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's other like crazy aspects of the West. Yeah. But yeah Bristol like Glastonbury itself. Glastonbury and things yeah, like that. that. You know, yeah. I always say the West is the best. And so we kind of had that feeling. But it was actually that week that I then, it was the last week before applications closed in February. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to put Bristol down yeah. to do business. Because I was like, what do I want to do? People who don't know what they want to do, they just choose business. Okay. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to do business management. And I got accepted on college offer, blah, blah, blah. Amazing. Ended up going to college. And actually, my second year of college, I had a paradigm shift, which was I need to get good grades to get to Bristol because it's, it's an amazing place. Yeah. I, so before that, maybe not too worried about grades. And I wasn't that, bothered. I got yeah. a, I got DCC in my first year of college. Okay. And that would have not got me into UE. When you say college, was it like A-levels? Yes, A-levels. Okay. Yeah, 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 A-levels. Farm sixth form. Mm-hmm. And so I had really low grades. And then I had this magical trip experience out in the West Country. Had this intention, I've got to be in Bristol. Got back and was like, I'm going to have to work really hard to get that. Okay. And... Um, Smashed it, ended up transforming my grades, got two B's and an A, and then ended up getting accepted to UWE. Isn't so, it incredible when you find that drive for you, how much it can change? Because clearly something at school had not hit the nail on the head for you. Yeah. And I'm, that, I don't honestly always think that, that that's on the individual. Mm. So whatever was your inspiration gave you that purpose. Yeah, yeah, exactly literally gave you a 180 that's incredible yeah amazing I was it was amazing and you know school never really fitted me and it never really served my inner creative you know you've experienced the same you know want to be want to be oh, we're, we're 
we as humans are destined to evolve into these magical beings that can achieve anything, do anything, and the school system really suppresses that. Yeah. And it's because it's a very old school system. Like hundreds, hundred, hundreds of years old, you know, the system. Mm -hmm. So I had this transformation, did really well in college, and then got into UE. Okay. And started business management. I fucking hated it. Yeah. I was like, I'm sitting in the lecture room. There's 300 people in this lecture room. I don't know who my lecturer is. I felt this huge disconnect. And that's when I found out about team entrepreneurship. And when I met Zach. Okay. And when I met Zach and Jamie. Yeah. And actually they were, I think without realising, quite a big pillar. Really? In why I chose Team Entrepreneurship. Um, and Zach's old co-founder, Kieran. Yeah. Remember Kieran? Yeah. And so I met them and I was like, you guys are so cool. They were like doing like, I don't know what they were doing, like selling stuff to me or something. Honestly, I never <laughs> understood when I was there. Like now I get it, but when I was there, I was like, what is this building yeah. that you are in? It's it was an absolute playground. <laughs> and I'd never felt more at home, you know? And these people were, someone was like trying to sell some stuff. Someone was setting up events. Yeah. Someone was like building their own clothing line. Yeah. You know, Zaki was doing videos or mm. something. And I was like, these people are so fucking awesome. Like, this is like creating potential unleashed. And I was about to drop out of business management. Literally, was on the phone to my mom. I remember the conversation saying, mom, I made the decision to come. I'm really not enjoying it. And she was like, is there anything else you'd like to do? And I was like, well, I've met these people who are on this really cool course to mm -hmm. team entrepreneurship. And I was like, could I change? And you know what? She was like, do what you fuck. Like, make whatever makes you happy. Okay, amazing. I've got a super supportive mom. Yeah, that's Super really supportive awesome. mom. Um, and so... She literally wants me to flourish. And I think that's, I'm very lucky with yeah. that. And so I changed course, I changed program. And then, you know, my three years of team entrepreneurship is literally set in stone with everything that happened. Yeah. You know, I graduated and I got the legacy award oh. from in my final year at the final dinner for my contribution and impact on team entrepreneurship oh, over incredible. the three years. So... I was grand and and it, that was merely a, the universe's sign to be like you know you were in the right place yeah and you got that stamp and so yeah that's you know, so amazing uni transformed for me because of that change yeah but, it's, but it's, so many changes along the way yeah yeah hundred percent to get to that point and I think that's why in life we've really got to be open to being bad places yeah because we've got to be open to getting these these spinballs you know yeah and. At a point where I felt uni didn't serve me, I if I hadn't have made that decision to go, I wouldn't have ended up where I was four years later. You know, four years later. Do you know what? I think so many people do that one year and they're like, oh, wow. Because I did. I was like, well, I'm here now. I paid for it, so I better get on with it. Mm. And then they just kind of stick it out because they're, they're there. <laughs> but you're right. You can change courses. You can do whatever at that point. Freedom. It's literally down to you you do not have to continue on that journey just because you you chose that path to begin with yeah exactly exactly and to have the courage yeah to take the leap mm -hmm. is something that you know it's not easy you know and, and it's having that courage to actually be like this is not right for me yeah and this looks better for me yeah and having because you're right some people can stay in that area of this isn't right for me I find it really difficult to get out of the situation. Yeah. And that can manifest in lifelong damage. Really. For a really long time afterwards. So you finish 
Ewing. Finished Ewing. What's the next? What's like the first, I guess, few months, couple of after you? What happens there? So I've always been a planner. You yeah. Know, I've always had the attribute of me of I've got to know what I'm doing next. Nice. Which led me to a place which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. But I had to always just keep going. You know, I don't know if you've ever done the Enneagram. No. So the, the Enneagram is an ancient Indian personality test. Yes. And it's super fascinating because I did it with one of my mentors. Okay. So you side note, mentors. Just while you at yeah, while okay. I was at you. Yeah. Mentors, the most beautiful thing that I think we can have. Incredible. You know, it's it's very tribalistic. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in tribes, you used to have elders. Yeah. They used to guide you, they used to support you. Mm-hmm. And so I actually had a couple really nice mentors in Bristol. One of them did this Enneagram with me. And I am the seven, the enthusiast. Okay. So I'm always like looking at things to do, yeah. things to go, because, you know, it keeps me fired. But there's good sides and bad sides to that. Yeah. Um, but doing that process helped me understand myself more. I highly recommend you do it. I can okay. send you some stuff. No, please do. I, have, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah amazing. Just help you understand yourself a bit better. Um, and so... When I graduated from UWE, I then took a trip to Cyprus. Okay. And so I went, I applied for a European program, um, entrepreneurial European program. Yeah. Where I went to Cyprus for a month to train as a digital marketer. Okay. So that was straight after UWE. So that was a month in May. Amazing. And so I, I finished UWE, went for a month there and trained digital marketing skills, which is kind of skills I'm equipped with now. Mm-hmm. I think I learned a lot in that one month, training with hard skills yeah. and the soft skills I learned at UE. Zach really talks about it as well. Mm-hmm. Like TE doesn't really teach you hard skills. Yeah. And so a hard skill is manifesting in how do you on Facebook ads? How do you actually design stories and Canva? And like, you know, just things that are like tangible. But UE and TE teaches you soft skills, leadership, emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I did this program, I was in Cyprus for a month. And after that, I got a gig with the EU on a six-week program. Amazing. To, to work on climate change. Had you kind of planned for that when you went? Like, it was in my mind. Did you know that that was an, even an option? If yeah. Gone there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I'd done this month. And then I knew that if that got, went well with the EU, then I could apply for this climate change program. Okay, cool. I applied for that program. I got accepted. And that's when I spent two weeks, two weeks in Paris, two weeks in Zurich, and then two weeks in Austria, working with 30 other students from all over Europe. Incredible. Designing and tackling climate issues with sustainable project startup ideas. Amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. At this point, are you vegan? At that point, I was vegan, yeah. So I kind of made that leap into... It just felt right. And yeah. it was really interesting because on this entrepreneurial like program with everyone fighting for climate change, I think I was one of two vegans in a group of 30. So it's fascinating when you know you talk about climate change, you talk about how people can make a change. And it was interesting that actually there were some people that were eating meat. And I was like, bro, like <laughs> you want to like a start entrepreneurial like climate program. But you know, life is But like again learning and and we're all coming into more iron with that, I think. Yeah. And it's going to take people different steps and learning from that. So, passion for climate change, had that been going for a long time? My knowledge on the environment stuff is really fresh, but yeah. for you to want to go ahead and do that, I guess, 
it was it was it longer whilst you were at uni? Yeah, whilst it started at uni, yeah, really, for sure. That's incredible. For sure. Um, I don't even know why. Like we things just occur and make us more aware of things. And you know, you get dealt cards, and I was reading them, and it was like you got to do some work in this area. You know? Amazing. And so, in my first year of after I did business management, in my at the end of that year. I applied to be the sustainability officer okay. for UWE. Oh, I love it. So I was accepted and I was representing 26,000 students alongside the SU president, head of sustainability. Oh. And so I did that for a year. Amazing. And so I was running like sustainability projects. So that's kind of where it all started. Mm-hmm. Before that, you know, really like getting maybe a bit sidetracked, but before it kind yeah, of, it it's connected to when I was like 16, um, I got into like all this Illuminati stuff. Yeah. And all this like... Yeah, that rabbit hole is very deep. Honestly, I've been so <laughs> many of these rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, this rabbit hole is super deep. And and I was going to protest in London. Um, I used to wear the anonymous mask. Really? Uh, yeah, I've got photos of it. Uh, yeah, somewhere. Um, and I used to wear this anonymous mask. I used to go into London and do chanting against climate issues, tuition fees, and all that type of stuff. Yeah. That's kind of where it all started. Mm-hmm. And it kind of boom, 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 evolved. By the time I got to uni, I was like, to, rake, to make a real change... It's not about protesting on the street, you know. It's about representing people. It's about getting involved with the student union mm-hmm. and running projects and doing things like that that makes true change. Yeah. And then that led on to me getting accepted onto this European program oh, for six weeks, and and then at the end of that summer I finished that, and that was amazing. And we ran startups and we shared ideas, and it was one of the most transformational experiences I've been on as well. Is this so, on? Is this twenty eighteen? This was 2018. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, like, mm. a, a year and... Uh, a year and a half. A year and a half, if you don't want, like, the summer. Yes. Okay, Yeah, cool. so I finished that at the end of... Start of August. And then did you come home after that? Came home for three weeks, and then I went on my master's. So what led you to decide to do a master's? I wanted to keep travelling. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah, and... I was running Pelico, and if you yeah, knew about that, yeah, um, at UWE, obviously, me and Alex, absolute legend of a human being, um, we decided to close the company down. Yeah, so this is the, so everyone else knows, no, this is the company that you've developed at, as part of your degree. Yes. And what you did at UWE. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I ran a, on-demand food delivery company during my three years at UE. On your uh, bike as well, wasn't it? Yes. So yeah, we had, we rented a kitchen from the uni, hired students as chefs, Yeah. let them cook. We had an online digital platform where people could order. Uh-huh. And then we hired students to cycle and deliver the meals to other students. Amazing. So it was like this circular, sustainable system of students cooking for students, fresh, healthy meals, which was, yeah, it was a good project. <laughs> we ran it for two years, uh, which was wild. Do you kind of have like an early vision then of what you wanted your business to be in style? <sighs> We're always changing. Yeah. And at that time, I was super passionate about food, still am, um, you know, a huge foodie. And so I really wanted to, I saw the gap in the market yeah. for fresh food on campus. And I really wanted to deliver fresh, healthy meals to students because Amazing. why not? Mm-hmm. You know, they deserve it. And it's necessary for human function is good quality food. And so, yeah, that was a venture. I ran it for two years. Cool. Wasn't profitable after two years. I was 18. I couldn't manage finance. You know, it was a, it was a complex, 
feel like you you went out did it started something like so much developed so many and it's amazing you can just be like yeah it's an experience move on for it i think some people who perhaps would love to do something like that would be scared of failure and be like oh no because what if it whatever happened in that period cool and then if it fails it fails like move on exactly something else new ventures you've probably learned some great things to move on from in that time 100 percent. yeah great mindset yeah like learn to love failure you know yeah. learn to fuck up like fucking up is fun yeah i think it's important that we fuck up i think it's probably fuck up a lot Me too. because that's where we grow the most as long as you like ex- accept that you fucked up and can continue with it yeah. not just like dwell in what exactly exactly yeah. and that's why it's about building the like positive mental attitude in people so they can see a fuck up as a positive yeah uh, which is uh, super important which is what you did uh, exactly and it yeah. wasn't even a fuck up it was a very yeah, yeah two exactly. years of your life it was yeah it was a very yeah a lot of my life consuming which was amazing and I learned it really put me on the map at that point yeah you know, me and Alex got like top 50 UK student founders amazing. in 2017 we'd got like number one student staff in Bristol from the yeah. council so we were we were about the place and so once that closed down, I then decided I really want to amplify my business acumen okay. and explore more realms of what business means and yeah. how that connects internationally. So I went on a master's. Amazing. And that was the best fucking year of my life. How did you How did you know about this master's? Because the fact that you said, oh, I wanted to travel, to me, when I think master's, I'm like, oh, well, you're going back to uni, you're about to sit in your room again and write essays mm. and not see the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I, go- I literally Googled master's where I could travel. Really? I typed in business master's where I could travel. Incredible. And it's number one amazing and i just i saw it there was a few other ones but this was like four months barcelona four months in taiwan and then four months in san francisco yeah and i was like i'm fucking in yeah Yeah, i'm fucking in and so applied around march i applied before i went on this european program so i'd I'd known that i was going to start in september yeah and yeah that was the most amazing year of my life amazing and, you know i traveled to i think it was like 12 or 13 countries because we used to get lots of holidays so when we were in Barca, we used to travel together and study when we went to taiwan fucking living in china for a bit went to shanghai did some projects in shanghai and then led me to san francisco which was like the pinnacle of you know if, if i'd if that was the last place that I would experience like, on this earth, mm-hmm. like it was for me, I had everything. I then finished my degree in San Francisco last August. Here I ask Leif why he is so passionate about the education system and seeing a change in the way that we currently learn. To quickly note, because my interview skills are clearly poor, to clarify parts of what Leif is about to say, before recording, Leif explained that as a kid he was kicked out of boarding school for having paraphernalia in his possession. He was basically caught smoking, and as a result, he was expelled. But he was also then told by his head of year that because of this, he will never now have a future. Which, I mean, for one mistake a child has made, feels like a very brash statement to make, when the mistake has already been made. Here's what Leif had to say. I didn't ever feel the education system served me because of just my nature mm-hmm. you know you get slapped with labels like, oh this kid's adhd or this kid's like you know i didn't personally but i saw it around me yes yeah, no, um, and it's like oh this kid's got this thing 
No, he's just fucking fun and creative. Yeah. Like, let him be. Let mm-hmm. him let him draw on the wall. Like, why not? You know, like, yeah. he wants to. Feel it. <laughs> um, and so, it definitely came from a place of, I, I didn't get served that well at uni. Yeah. And at that point, the whole, like, if I looked at society around me, that, that lace didn't do education, you know. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to accept that. Yeah. You know, I had a choice. You know, in life what we're told we have choices and I could have been like you know what head of year I am shit you know I could have said you're right I'm not going to go to college you know I I could have said you know you're right I'm a bad student yeah but I was like middle finger up to the man I'm going to prove to him that I can achieve absolutely anything I'm going to prove that doesn't matter what you say yeah if I want to go and do this, I will. Yeah. And I will get the grades. I will go to uni and I will succeed. And, you know, the lady that graduated his master's degree mm-hmm. you know, with an honours in the top 10%. Yeah. Looks back at that lady that was crying to his mum. Yeah. When he was 16 and saying, mum, I've just been kicked out of school. Yeah. And says, you know what? Good man. Good man for actually pulling through and actually believing in yourself yeah and not letting the world put you down and so it was in that state where it's you know you got that saying it was like don't do this for you do it for your future self yeah and my future self was like fucking yeah mate, if you're 16 year old <laughs> g you did it you did it boy isn't it incredible that people are like oh mm. this whole system that we go through and now you have to be in it till you're 18 leaving it in the uk mm. it's supposed to serve as a purpose to get a job to get money <laughs> to live and whatever so these people if they're sitting down and telling you that you're not which is what happened to you that you're not going any further in this life in terms of education and being successful like this is it no college is gonna accept you mm. who is a little 16 year old to be like no i am gonna yeah. be it's like if that was me i would have been like oh i'm i'm nothing i'm done mm. the system needs such a big change and the way we speak to children as mm. well that like the fact that that person spoke to you like this is a matter of a fact they're a place, someone, a place of authority. Yeah. Honestly, when I thought, when I was a kid, I literally thought teachers knew everything because otherwise they wouldn't be a teacher. Yeah, Like, yeah. you don't put someone in front of a group of kids unless they know everything and they're going to, like, do the best for these children. But that's not what happens. And in your instance, that's not what happened. And how incredible that you managed to go from that to where you are now and what Thank happened you. as a result. Yeah. Because a lot of people would struggle with that. And especially if you've come from a home which perhaps it, it hasn't also served you. Yeah. How do we ex- expect in a society for ed- for that kid to flourish? Yeah. Because if education is not serving them and their home life's not serving them, then... Super tough. What's happening there? Super tough, yeah. Crazy. It's sad to see, actually. You know, you get kids that are in really bad situations and it's not their fault. No. And it's really down to... The environment that they've been put in and it's it's super it's super like emotionally tough actually yeah. to actually think about a child who hasn't got a good school environment mm-hmm. and hasn't got a good home environment and that's why i think i was so blessed because my home environment wasn't great and the school environment was tough but i had the right people around me i had the yeah. right friends you know mm-hmm. i had the right i spent a 
the right time with the right people. And somehow the right mindset, like yeah. so incredible. And I think that maybe perhaps people listening can translate into that, into their everyday. Yeah. Like even though you're not the 16 year old now, if maybe you feel like you haven't been served the correct purpose up till now, mm. they've managed to find a different path himself that's hard work that's rough yeah to try and manifest for yourself what that purpose is or what that drive is and it's always changing and i think that's the thing like you know once upon a time i thought i was going to run the biggest food delivery service in the world yeah. you know and then once upon a time in the summer i thought i was going to go fight climate change and you know really be a big part of the european union and actually get to like a political state of influence. That was yeah. one of my driving forces, you know, and then that led on to me being really interested in trying to get involved in the United Nations and actually how can we make big political change through big policies and shifting these types of governmental organisations mm-hmm. because, you know, if they don't change the planets, they're going to get helped. And actually that was an awakening as a young child. It was like the government is really it's like it's that's another rabbit hole <laughs> but you know the strong the strong ties on the big policy holders but beyond all of that i think the biggest lesson was if we can truly find who we are inside and be able to tune into who who we want to be and you know you can't change the world by yourself yeah but you can change your world yes and so one of the most beautiful things I learned is, you know, it can be very easy to get upset about all the shit that's occurring. Mm-hmm. You know, when this, you know, the wars in Yemen, the droughts in Africa, the viruses now in China. Yeah. So easy to get upset about these things. But I think it's important that you love who you are mm-hmm. and you love those around you. Yeah. And I believe in the domino effect and the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. So if you can spread good energy to yourself and those around you, then you're likely to spend good energy to the world. Absolutely. Because it has a ripple effect. Oh, it does. It's like there's so many studies into that. Like literally just smiling to someone on the street, they'll smile back, they might smile at someone else because they've just been smiled at. Like, yeah, I 100% believe that. And that that also comes down to something else that I believe in where it really grinds my gears when (laughs) someone's like, you're vegan, incredible. I'm only vegetarian. That's incredible. That is incredible. Like, like, don't, like, that's, don't judge yourself because it's incredible. But when someone goes, oh, but you being a vegetarian is not saving the planet. I'm like, stop it. Yeah, no. Like, please don't make me feel like that person because it's the wider effect that we're talking about here. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Maybe if everyone was, then I would. Like, but like, that's not going to stop me from doing it just because even if I know that like, my family members aren't going to do it. Well, I, I'm still trying to get that impact. And if we all do small changes, that makes such a big effect. And even if it's just like everyone's reducing stuff that they do and everyone's considerate about plastics and all yeah. the other stuff they do or waste, and it makes a big impact if everyone is doing the small things. And you're absolutely right, the government and everyone else is playing such a huge part in this. But I'm not part of the government. Yeah, so exactly. there's only so much, like you said, that you can do. So we're all doing the small things. Yeah. And then it also comes down to if we're all believing in ourselves, it just creates a better society. Better societies create a better planet. Yes, I agree. I agree totally. See, this brings us on to, if you don't mind talking about it. Yeah, of course. You just got to August, Mm. half a year ago now. Yeah, five months or so, yeah. And then am I right in thinking you had another job interview lined up 
I had a couple. Sticky something else. Yeah, I had um, I had a couple things floating. This was a really tough period. Yeah. Because this is re- this ties in so great with I think what you're working on. Yeah. Because just finished his masters. Mm-hmm. Look at my CV, fucking banging. You yeah. Know, like on, on paper. Yeah. You know? And so, in my mind, I was walking into like consultancy role or like yeah. a big tech job. Is that or, something you really wanted as well? That it you were was. Excited for? It was. Yeah. It was. It was like you've done this amazing master's degree in international business. You've crushed it, and now you're gonna walk into like a job at Google. Like, that was literally <laughs> like the vibe I was on. You know, <laughs> destiny did not play those cards. Yeah, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I was in a really tough place because yeah. you know I started applying for jobs. Yeah, you know, and that's like a thing that we have to do as adults, yeah. humans. You know, apply for jobs. You know, send off these CVs, write these fucking letters, mm-hmm. do all this stuff. And I was really just hitting the wall. With, I hit my head against the wall. Okay, I was getting no yeah. after no after no. super tough super tough environment where I was like on a such a high and then I was like fuck I don't know what I'm doing with my life were they when you were getting these no's were they explaining why you're just not the right person for this job stop it you're just not the right person for this role I've I've heard a lot of like you don't have enough experience in that or two I've heard that one as well yeah yeah well I've just graduated but the reason why I did this master's and this degree was so I have the experience yeah what do you expect yeah expect two years of experience well bloody give me the experience yeah like this is what I'm asking you for yeah and you know (laughs) it doesn't pop out of thin air no exactly and I I was like, I'm not going to go do like some sales tech for like some random company. Yeah. Because people do that, you know. But I was like, I'm not going to sell my soul. Like, I don't, I'm in a lucky enough position that I don't, you know, I'm not fighting to keep a roof over my head. Yeah. Which is lucky. I feel blessed yeah. no. for that. Um, and so I was in an environment where I was like, if I'm going to do something, I want to fucking do it. I want to do yeah. something cool. I do something awesome. I want to keep the energy high. And so, you know, I landed a gig again with the European Union in Budapest. Okay. And so I was traveling. For the first time, I decided to get a train to Budapest. Yes. And that plays a pivotal part in the story. Okay. Because I didn't get the plane. Yeah. And if I had got a plane, I would have been in a very different position right now. Yeah. And so I decided to get the train to Budapest. You know why you decided to get the train? Just felt it. You just like, train today. Because I wanted to be more sustainable. Okay, I wondered if that was the yeah, reason why. That was like the intention. But you know, it's three times the price. Yeah. And like four times the amount of time. The train was. Yeah, the train yeah. was. Yeah. So, you know, that happened it, to me recently. They don't make it easy to be sustainable. No, they don't. In <laughs> your case, yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, it, it was lucky. You yes. know, it was very lucky. Um, and so I decided to get the train to Budapest was about to start a gig with the EU. It was a two-week project work. Yeah. And if it went well, I was going into a role in one of the European offices working with Climate Project. Okay. Which is something I really wanted to do. And so I was in Budapest and I was at a football match. Yeah. Because there was like a, a mix of football game, like a networking event. Oh, cool. And so... And you're a very sporty person. Yeah, I try, like keep, act- done, like, I try to keep active. Tr- I'm like triathlon. Yeah, I did yeah. a triathlon last June. Incredible. Yeah, I'm training for another one. 
alone. Yeah, yeah. Really? I'm going to challenge Zach and Jay actually. So you can, you, you can, you can tell them. Okay, we can tell them first, guys. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm going to chat. I'm going to challenge them to do a triathlon. Amazing. Because I'm like, if I can do one, then you can do one. Here we go. Um. So yeah, I did a triathlon last June. I'm an avid climber. I do yoga every day. Yeah. You know, I move every day now, especially yeah. now, mm-hmm. um, because one of the recipes for success is moving your body. Yeah. And it's definitely connecting with your body and yeah. connecting with. So yeah, very important part of my life. Very very important. So I was in Budapest. It was a football match. It was a mixer networking event. I just arrived. Don't remember much of the morning. I was warming up, mm-hmm. and I remember saying, "I need to pop to the loo." I turned around and I fainted. Okay. And I woke up seven days later. That honestly insane. So out of the seven days, you don't remember anything. Don't remember anything. So when you wake up, you think it's still the same day. As the well, day it was the think. same Sunday. Yeah. Because I passed out on a Sunday and I woke up on a Sunday. Apparently, I turned around, I dropped to the floor, and I started having a fit. Okay. And then the medic ran over, started to do some checks on me. I was like, this guy needs to go to the hospital ASAP. Yeah got in the ambulance, was driving to National Hospital in Budapest. They were on the phone to the hospital, explaining some of the symptoms. Okay. And they were like, his brain is shutting down. Okay. They were like, you need to take him to a Kiti brain hospital. You're like this professional neurosurgical hospital. Amazing. In Budapest. So even en route, they were like, they they knew where you had to go. They changed direction. Went straight into a Kiti hospital and went straight into the operating lab. My brain had been filling with blood. So I had a ruptured aneurysm. Do you know much about aneurysms? No. Am I right in thinking Amelia Clark had one? Amelia Clark did have an aneurysm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. heard her story. Yeah, yeah. She's doing some charity stuff, which I might get involved with. Yeah, actually. with her mum. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had a ruptured aneurysm in my basal artery. Two main arteries that lead to your brain. I learned a lot about this shit, you know? Yeah. Um, your feminine artery yeah. and your basal artery lead up, literally from your groin up through your body and into your head. Okay. Into, straight into your brain. Long way. I had in it, yeah, it's mad. And the, the basal artery is the size of your thumb, to put your thumb in it. No. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so big. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and so I have an aneurysm. In my basal artery, which was is about a six centimeter aneurysm, yeah. which is a swelling and it's a blood clot. Okay. That burst, and that's what caused me to fall to the floor, and my brain filled with blood. The brain starts to shut down. Yeah. It's response system. Mm-hmm. I then had a stroke. Okay. On the way to the on the way to the hospital. Well, is it that all linked? Or is it's that all connected. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't always happen. Yeah. What happened to me? only happens in about one or two percent of cases okay and out of those percent of cases 80 percent don't survive insane which is yeah an absolute madness Mm -hmm. and so i was in the hospital for for one month in total you know i'd woke up woken up out of this coma and i was completely deluded to why i was there what was happening i just saw my mum my sister my brother and my sister said to me like they have had a seizure so you didn't fully explain what happened, but tried yeah. to kind of ease me into it. I like, remember you're... from Rosh's stories, he yeah. explained them that. Man, one of them was like, we haven't explained to Leif what has fully happened. Because mm. I guess they didn't want to they want to scare like, me. Like scare you and make things worse. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So exactly. at this point you still have no idea really what's happened. I was very unsure. You know, yeah. I think when you wake up out of a coma, you have no sense of identity. Like my brain had been pretty much like reset. 
like literally like a brain, like you, know, you click the reset button. Yeah. So I woke up, I had no sense of where I'd been or where I was going, but I had this interesting sense of, I'm okay. Okay. You know, I had this, I don't know whether that was created by the people around me or my friends or the whole collective or the love I was receiving and the energy that was literally being sent my way in yeah. that time and space. And so, you know, there was waves of anxiety that came on, of course, naturally. Because mm-hmm. I after after I got a bit more conscious, I was like, okay, now this is fucking weird. Like, why am I here? And you, am I right saying you woke up and you were like strapped to the bed? Yeah. So that's not like scary enough. Because I I had woken up once and tried to pull the things because I had a um, a shunt which is a drain mm-hmm. that was in my brain draining the blood out, mm-hmm. and so I had that for two weeks in my head. So I couldn't, I was actually lying on this hospital bed, lying on my back with plugs on me, on my chest, scanning me, a big thing in my brain, and then also a nappy, a diaper, and a tube in my willy, Mm -hmm. you know, so I could not move. Do anything else. You know, my sense of of like lathe was completely disintegrated. I was a vegetable in this state. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I kind of got a bit more conscious, I started to get a bit better, a bit more awake, and I've been at a place where I've been working so hard mm-hmm. to get to somewhere. And the universe was like, slow the fuck down. Yeah. You know, it was like, just chill out, bro. It was like, you're in no rush. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that we always get the lessons we need yeah. to grow and become the highest versions of ourselves. And they can manifest in someone saying something to you or you know your body actually reacting to emotion that's built up and I had built up you know I was super positive mentally but I built up this sense of I've always got to keep going and going and going and going and I just hit the wall literally and it was the greatest lesson that I've ever had in my entire life yeah the gratitude I have of spending you know a month in hospital is amazing because I'm so thankful. That firstly, I was surrounded by the most amazing people supporting yeah. me. Secondly, I was given space to just be. You know, I spent three weeks just staring at a white wall okay. and waiting for that hour visiting time. Yeah. Where I would see my family and friends, you know. And outside of that time, I was lying there just staring at the wall processing my entire life reflecting on everything conversations i'd have moments i've been in places i traveled and really just processing everything super healthy activity you know yeah um and it came i just came to this new sense which i'm still harmonizing now of just peace okay like the sense of like you know you will get to your destination when you're supposed to yeah and there's no rush because the universe has a higher plan and we're all connected. Yeah. And so letting things flow through flow, not force. And it was one of the greatest experiences that I'd had. You know, I'm so blessed to be here right now. Uh-huh. And that that gratitude sits with me daily. Insane. Like, can we go back on the statistics again? Yeah, because for sure. Madness. For your age... So I was the youngest person that the doctor had ever operated on, and he's been doctor for 40 years, specialising on aneurysms. Does he li- live there? He's 
So Dr. Estelanzapura is the leading aneurysm operator in the world. Isn't it mad that you were in that place at that time as well, where he was? When we talk about grand design of the universe, it's, you can't, you couldn't have written it. You could not have written the story that happened. So for a brain aneurysm, is it genetic? So it can be, you know, but I have no... No one in my family has ever had a recorded case of okay. aneurysm. It can be very hereditary. Yeah. But no one's had one. Um, you normally develop them around 40, 50 for high levels of stress okay. or high level high blood pressure. Yeah. You know, I talk about university days, you know, they were super positive, but you know, I had a lot of fun. You yeah. know, and so I think I had a lot of fun and maybe played a lot as well. Okay. And so maybe that build up of Maybe too many naughty nights out or something. Do you think? I don't know. You know, I can't. I. I. I it's not. It's not about finding an answer. No. Um. And I, that's kind of. I'm at peace with that. But it's interesting to just reflect. I think it's one of those things that can literally happen to anyone. Literally. Like anyone, anytime, any place. Yeah. We we have witnessed. But the fact, yes, absolutely, that you had one so young is, yeah. is very rare. Yeah. And you know, eighty percent of people don't survive. Yeah. Um, and 80% of people don't survive an aneurysm, mine ruptured in the basal artery, which is connected to your neurons that connect your body movement. Yeah. So I woke up with no movement in the right side of my body. So I woke up in the hospital and I couldn't move my right side. So you were essentially paralyzed? I was essentially paralyzed. This, okay. So imagine we have computer systems in our head. Yeah. We have programs that move different body parts. Mm-hmm unconsciously we can do wild and cool things you can move your hand move your leg and we do it naturally it's it's beautiful it's art Mm -hmm. and we don't think about it and there's there's a motor neuron signals that are firing and saying hey do this do that i woke up and those motor neurons had literally shut down and so i was lying there and i started to get a bit of movement in my hand and that's when my sister told me that you've had a stroke as well. Okay. And I was like, I can't. I started crying because I was like, I can't move my leg. And I was really worried at that point. Yeah. And, and super scared. And the doctor said, you know, in your case, you're lucky to be alive. And I was, I felt that. And he also said that the chance of you relearning is really difficult because I have a blood, you have X amount of blood vessels, but one of my blood vessels is now shut off okay. in my brain. Because it's the one that ruptured. Yeah. And so I have over four centimetre metal tube in my head now. Yeah. In my basal artery, which is helping the blood flow from my spine to my brain. Okay. I have that for life. Yeah. And one of the blood vessels is cut off, is the one that ruptured. And so that can be connected to movement. Yeah. And so he said that, you know, their chance of you relearning movement is going to be really tough. Yeah. And in that moment... I was like, no. I was like, I'm not living in a reality where I'm not running again. I'm not living in a reality where I'm not swimming, I'm not climbing, I'm not doing yoga, I'm not walking long walks and hiking. And I was in a really tough place because I could only feel a bit of my leg at this point. Mm -hmm. But I knew it would come back. Even though the doctor was like, it's a bit unlikely. Like my teacher told me, it's a bit unlikely you're going to have a future. Yeah. But my belief system of no, like I can achieve anything because we are all invincible, infinite human beings. Mm -hmm. And so 
my father said something to me great. My father lives in Iran. Yes. My, my parents are split. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was the first time I'd seen him in two years. Okay. And so he was there next to me. He's a very amazing man. I love him with all my heart. Um, had a very tough relationship with him as a child, but it's mm-hmm. evolved as I've matured. And so is he. And so he said, Leif, you know, I want you to, every night you're lying here, just dream your wildest dreams. He said, I want you to sit there and think of all the things you're going to be doing when you're healthy again. Mm-hmm. I want you to think about all the amazing things you're going to be doing when you're out of hospital. I was lying there, literally imagining myself running through woods, walking on beaches. And I could I could feel being there. You know, I could feel the wind. I was lying in a hospital bed on morphine and I was imagining myself yeah. walking through forests. And he just said, Leith, the only way you can reprogram your mind is by dreaming your wildest dreams and being able to then bring that close to your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a month later, I was discharged from hospital. I had started moving by then. You know, I'd I'd been able to go from a wheelchair to one of those... Walking frames. Walking frames. Yeah. To a walking stick mm-hmm. in a space of about two and a half weeks. Incredible. Yeah, it was mad. I had an amazing Hungarian physio at the time. Yeah. And he was like, he literally was like, walk down this corridor. And he took my walking stick away from me. He was like, walk down this corridor and forget that your leg is injured. Yeah. And the power of just reprogramming your thought processes. Yeah. You know, there's big people like Tony Robbins and Bob Proctor that talk about this stuff. It's like, we tell ourselves stories and we live in those stories, but we can reprogram those stories. And the story that I've been told was you can't use your leg. But the story I was telling myself is yes, you fucking can. <laughs> you, are, you are going to be walking. You're going to be fine. You're going to be better than fine. Mm-hmm. You're going to perform better. You're going to be faster. You're going to think clearer and you're going to achieve a lot more because being able to be in, tune with your body is one of the most harmonious things and being able to feel and so after a month in hungarian hospital which felt like a lifetime yeah i remember after three weeks i was allowed to go outside i tell you the feeling of um, going outside on an it was like it was quite autumn-y i think i've seen the picture yeah i was in the wheelchair yeah and you got blankets and stuff like yeah, yeah yeah and I kind of went outside and the feeling of the fresh air, the trees, you know, in that moment, I was like, fuck, man, life is so beautiful. Yeah. And I'm doing nothing but sitting here, existing Literally. and experiencing beauty. A completely different appreciation of life. 100%. And I just sat there like, I don't have to do anything right now. And I am having the fucking best time of my life. <laughs> I can smell fresh autumnal oh. leaves. I can see beautiful orange, reds, and green colours. And I'm around my best friends. Like, yeah. what, what more? I was like, if I died then, I would be content. Yeah. And I'm at peace with that now. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know that if life is chapter closes, cool. Because if we can spend time with those that we love the most and appreciate the beauty of this planet and this earth, and not get our minds twisted in all the chaos, then fuck, we are so lucky. Yeah. And it was, yeah, quite magical. Um, and so yeah, after a month, 
I was then transferred back to the UK hospital on November the 4th. Yeah. By private air ambulance. Oh, oh yeah. I <laughs> found that how you got back. Yeah, so... Private air ambulance? So I could have, what I, does that look like? Because I remember when Rosh was trying to think... They were trying to plan a way for you to get back for ages. Yeah. Because you couldn't fly. I couldn't fly. Um, so I couldn't fly in a, in a commercial jet. Yes. And so they were like, well, different ways you can get back. And insurance, blah, 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 blah. Um, eventually, I was went in an ambulance and then tried this private jet, literally no bigger than probably the size of like this room. Yeah. And so no toilet, you know, like really small hospital. It's like a hospital plane. Yeah. There was space for me, two doctors and my mum. Okay. And... Yeah, on Monday, November the 4th, I flew from Budapest to a private airfield in yeah. Croydon. Okay. And then from there, I went to Queen's Square Hospital, which is obviously the National Hospital for Neurosurgery. Check, they checked me in, they did MRI scans, and I had about eight doctors around me on my first day, and they had no fucking clue how I was there, how I was standing, and how I was talking. Ugh. Because... They were like, we, this doesn't make any sense. Like, you had a ruptured brain aneurysm in your basal artery. Like, you should be dead. That's yeah. pretty much what they were trying to say. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> because my belief in wanting to be here, my soul, yeah. still had its journey. You know, it still, it still needed to be here. Yeah. Um, and so after about this four days there, I was discharged and I came home on November, like, the 10th. That time span is incredible. <laughs> like, actually insane. I think when it happened, me and Zach were, like, in Bali, and we were in us, we were in Guinea Air, and it was our second place. So by the time we'd got home, we were there for three weeks. Mm. In the space I have been on a holiday, <laughs> you have literally gone from a brain aneurysm being paralysed to being to walking and coming home again yeah like that's incredible that's very kind of you thank you I'm, insane I'm, you know it's in o's to the amazing people that i've been around and i think when you're lying in a hospital bed mm-hmm. and your identity is removed from you and you have like if i had a million pound in the bank you wouldn't have fucking rabbit because i was dying in a hospital bed yeah if i had a fast car and a big house it wouldn't have mattered yeah. Because all those material things, yeah, they're fun, but they're useless. But the the energy that I put towards people. Yes. Ah, uh, people. So important. And the, 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 the people surrounding me, it was like the most important asset that we have as humans is the relationship we build with each other. Yeah. Because when you remove everything material, you are left with the immater- immaterial. Yeah. And that is love. Mm-hmm. It's compassion. It's care. And I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't invested in relationships before. Yeah. To then be in a place where I was in the hospital bed and there was 15 of like my closest friends around me supporting me every single day yeah. on that journey. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the biggest lessons about, you know, taking time to appreciate people, giving people presence, yeah. giving people connection. Because, yeah, when you remove everything that we've achieved in this realm of material, you know, which is not a bad thing, when you remove that all, 
all you have left is the people you spent time with. Yeah. The people you care about. Absolutely. Um, and so I'm still in rehab. I'm still in our recovery state. Yes. You know, people can spend a year in hospital. Um, and so I was out in like three, two and a half months. <laughs> um, and so I came out and I've been at home and I've just really been focusing on movement. Predominantly. Yes. Uh, your viewers won't be able to see this, but I don't have movement in my toes still. Which so is, you can't move your toes? I can't move my toes. Okay. So I can go like... Yeah, so you're like moving them all together. I'm trying to go it's really slow. So if you look at that, other toes. Yeah, like, yeah, you're moving all your toes, and then there's one. So you know, I'm ninety nine percent, which is incredible. Yeah, thanks. just the toes, but manifestation, which I feel is a big. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, of, like who you are and what you do. Yeah, and perhaps is what got you through when you said you were sat in those walls and thinking about getting up and yeah. walking and doing stuff. Is something that I would love to delve more into because sure. it sounds like it's part of what what got you through. Yeah, am yeah. I right in saying that? You are very right in saying that. And uh, my my sister is a mindset coach. Yes, I see this. Yeah, so she is a mindset coach, and she okay. does a lot of work around this type of stuff. Yeah, and I don't know where it stemmed from, um, but I've always envisioned where I'm going before I get incredible you know i've always see i saw myself doing this masters before i was accepted i yeah. saw myself on this european program before i was accepted i've seen myself winning awards before they even happened because i think we have all got the potential to manifest anything we want in this reality honestly like when i say that it's 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 so powerful because the feeling of knowing that you can actually achieve anything by visualization and being able to feel there before you're there yeah is you're bringing yourself closer to it mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle have you heard of him no he wrote a book called The Power of Now mm-hmm. amazing book he speaks about how the only time that exists is the now you know and when you were in the past you were in the now and when you talk about the future when you get there it's also the now and actually, in this space, which exists now, everything is possible. And it's about attuning yourself into this present moment. Yeah. Through means of yoga, mm-hmm. mindfulness, meditation, yeah. you know, washing the dishes. You know, mindfulness is an act of anythingness. And so when you realize that everything that has ever occurred in space and time has always happened in this present moment. The future is an idea and the past is an idea. And it's just history. Yeah. And memories. And the future is not real yet. So being able to be here now and tuning yourself into this present moment. And if you can feel so present that then you can visualize where you want to get to, you're bringing that closer to who you are. And so when I was lying in the hospital bed, yeah, I could only be there. Mm-hmm. I could only be there now. And that's why I was feeling myself getting to where I wanted to get to before. And once you can see that feel it touch it and you can bring it closer to you you're manifesting your reality yeah and everyone has that potential and you know it sounds a bit woohoo and there's always like this whole like spiritual jargon all connected but this is real shit this is why i wanted you to speak about because i it's something i've been so fascinated before and and like do you know what zach says all the time where he's just like so if you actually don't believe something's gonna happen 
It won't. The idea that you can manifest infinite potential is not something you're taught in school. No. The idea that you are attuned to the universe, the universe is energy, that is scientifically proven. Tesla proves that everything is energy. Yeah. E equals MC squared by Einstein, energy equals matter. So everything we interact with scientifically is energy form. And if you're able to think of something, it's energy as well. Yeah. And when you can put energy, you know, I'd much rather learn that than fucking algebra at school. Oh. Um, and so being able to actually think, okay, I want to visualize something. Yeah. And actually you have it, you know, I'm sure you might experience it. You're thinking of someone and they might text you, you know. Yeah, it's no. like, <laughs> you're like what? Like, yeah, yeah it happens yeah. all the time to me. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, uh, think about this person, and they'll call you, or it's like, you know, you're online and you're thinking about something, and then maybe like an ad pops up, or yeah, this, or you think about something, and then your friend mentions, oh, this thing, and it's like, yeah. well, I was thinking of that. It's because we're all connected, and it's because this stuff is real, like yeah. it's tangible, um, and so. And if you don't think it, like, how do you expect it to happen? Like, it's not, it doesn't happen by chance. It just, just doesn't suddenly, like, oh, oops, this person's turned up to my front door in my house and they're going <laughs> to offer me this job. Like, no, no like, no. think it, know what it is. Yeah. And then, then hopefully you'll subconsciously, if you're not already doing it, take those steps exactly. anyway to, to get to that point. That's a big thing I think you mentioned is, you know, it's not about just sitting there. You're like, I want to get rich, I want to get rich, I want to get rich. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's sitting there, feeling where you want to get to, making it tangible, and then building the plan to get there. Yeah. You know, and it's it's part of the subconscious mind, because if our subconscious mind is 80% of our reality, yeah, and like, or even more than that, I think, how much is going on yeah. in the subconscious realm <laughs> of our existence? It's like, that's so fucking fascinating. We, we merely interact with the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But what's happening under the surface is literally controlling our entire reality. The people we meet, the interactions we have. And so it's all about reprogramming that subconscious reality. And that's why I'm interested in education. Yeah. And that's why education is now going to be a big part of me moving forward. Incredible. You know, because... I think if we can, if every every student knew they could manifest their potential, yeah, and they knew that if they set the right intention, set the right plan, they could achieve their dreams. Absolutely. Then we would literally raise the collective consciousness of this entire planet. Yeah. We wouldn't have the poison that infects this world. And there's so many problems that need solving. Yeah. They need people like that to like get out and do it and know that they can. I don't even think manifest best manifestation was a word that I was even aware of when I was at school. Mm, exactly. Like, not probably till I moved to London or I started talking to or following the right people on social media sure. or, like, in other stuff. And, yeah, you're such a great example of, like, why it's not wanky. Yeah. Because, isn't it? Like, yeah. when people talk about it and you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of, like, yeah, rubbish. Really. It's like, when you put it in... The context of like your life, for example, mm. it, it it's developed into something realistic and, yeah. and totally different, and it makes sense. And I was I was blessed with this injury that I had because mm. I have story now I can share about visualizing me wanting to get better. Yeah, the statistics were against me. The doctors didn't have much hope. Yeah, but my mind pulled me through. Yeah, because my belief of getting healthy was stronger than my fear of not 
And when your belief of becoming a better person is stronger than the fear of not. It's like when you spoke about, you know, um, not wanting to share stories and because, you know, you've got that fear, uh, which is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. F-E-A-R is fear. It's false evidence. And so if we can have that belief of, I'm going to achieve this, make it stronger than the false evidence, then you're going to power through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it is very bit woohoo but it's science and scientists talk about it scientists prove it i'm a big follower of dr joe dispenza mm-hmm. have you heard of him no I'll send you some stuff yeah dr joe dispenza bob proctor tony robbins deepak chopra all these people who have manifested absolutely incredible lives talk about attuning into the universe because it is ancient knowledge and ancient science that is now coming back. We as society are going through an ever conscious evolution. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we are no longer being like, I'm just going to get a job, work for 30, 40 years of my life, get married, get a mortgage, get kids and recycle. Yes. No. Now we're like, times are changing. We're entering the age of Aquarius, which is where the planets is going to get very... This is where the planets are shifting mm-hmm. and that is affecting the collective consciousness and awareness mm-hmm. and we're actually changing the way humans' DNA is evolving. And so now we want to be more creative, we want to have side hustles, we want to have more project <laughs> yeah. work. We want to, you know, I'd rather have five side hustles and I'd be scraping it and living a fucking oh, fun yeah, life than, yes. than, than like one job day in, day out and yes. that's it, you know. We're not designed for that. Mm-hmm. Human potential isn't designed for having that laborious, continuous cycle. And so it's about us disrupting that. And being like, actually, you know, I'd rather have a part-time job, you know, and then garden in the other half, you yeah. know, things like that, you know, and completely shifting what work is. Yeah. Um, and I believe that it's really happening. And that's why I'm interested in getting involved in education um, and in a few capacities which are coming to surface as time moves. And so, yeah, I'm really excited, but also taking the lessons of, not rushing. Yes. You know, letting things happen really when they're supposed to. And taking it easy and realizing that everything will happen when it's right. Um, but knowing that the higher the higher plan is unfolding as it's supposed to. And just the fucking, you know, as they say, today was your last day, what would you do? You know. You know, live a great life, love, share, be Absolutely. kind, be nice. Yeah. Um, speak to the ones you love. Yeah. Um and if you're doing those things then well you're going to have an incredible journey thank you so much Lane <laughs> watch the space for Lane because I really think good things are coming away my friend thank you so much thank, thank you so very much. much thank you